Hello folks and welcome to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. My name is Graham Stevens and I really hope that I can bring a smile to your face. Why do only fools and horses work a lot of Hello there, and welcome back. This week we start with an episode of Hancock. This one is entitled, Back from Holiday. We present Tony Hancock, Sidney James, Bill Kerr and Kenneth Williams in... Hancock's half hour. It's going better since we had the new engine put in. Yes. <laughs> Marvelous. A couple of gold-plated bumpers, they would have different. Jumping about, something horrible. If we didn't have a roof on it, we would all have been thrown out miles ago. Oh, stop moaning. Well, it's not right having to wear a skidlid in a closed-in motor car. <laughs> Look, this is the last time I go on holiday with you. Complaining the whole time we were in France, complaining on the boat coming back. 400 yards from your house and you're still complaining. You completely ruined my holiday, you have. Holiday? Ha! A fiasco, matey! <laughs> That's all that lot was. <laughs> A complete waste of hard-earned loot. And all your fault. Mine! Must take the car with us. Only way to travel. See the country and stop where we like. We stopped all right. Every ten yards. <laughs> I can't understand it. I took the car round to Charlie's before we left and I had it overhauled. Overhauled? Two taps with a spanner and if nothing falls off, it's all right. <laughs> it was a mistake taking it round to him. I suspected he didn't know anything about it when I saw him nailing the GB plate onto the spare tyre. Well, even so, it should have been all right. They've got mechanics in France, you know. You couldn't blame them. They didn't know what car it was. They haven't seen anything like this since old Bill in 1915. <laughs> Apart from the language, fluent Fred here, speak it like a native, a wagga wagga. <laughs> you remember, you remember this, don't you? Nous avons un gasket qui dropped off. <laughs> then, of course, we couldn't possibly forget, avez-vous un new wiper de la windscreen? <laughs> Trouble is, your English isn't much better. Well, look, it's all over now. The holiday's finished, so so forget all about it. I will not forget about it. I saved up all year for that holiday, I did. Hundred pounds travel allowance I took. All set to shake Paris to its very foundations, and what happened? Ninety-eight pounds, fifteen car repairs. <laughs> Glass of red wine and a frog's leg and back home. Well, I enjoyed it. I spent my hundred pounds allowance. And how you got those books through the customs, I'll never know. <laughs> it's just as well you didn't tell me till now that you'd hidden them in my case. When I think of me standing there, staring him in the eye, holding a case full of hot literature. <laughs> and almost feel the ball and chain closing around my leg. I still think we should hand them in and have them burnt. When I've perused them, of course. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Oh, well, there goes the radiator cap. <laughs> I'll leave it. We won't miss it. The last time I go abroad with you. Look, you thought France was a good idea. Monte Carlo, Nice, Cannes, the Riviera. And how far did we get? Three miles outside Calais. <laughs> I'm going to Brighton next year by coach. At least if that breaks down, you can sit there with your quarter beer and laugh at the driver lying there with his coat off. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded, but the French food was so horrible. Speciality of the district. What a lot of rubbish. Frog's nigs, snails and funny cheese. <laughs> it was a pleasure to get in that pub and have a lump of pie with that hard-boiled egg in it. <laughs> Even if it had gone green. <laughs> Marvellous highlight of the trip that was, the old chopped sauce walloping the end of the bottle there. Shooting it out all over the plate. One and nine. Sensation. You can't get anywhere else. <laughs> Chop sauce. I can't stand people who go abroad and aren't prepared to even try the local food. I didn't have to try it. The look was enough. Even the dog closed his eyes and I gave it to him. <coughs> I thought you said they knew all about food. Gourmets was the word you used, I believe. <coughs> Three hotels I asked for bread and butter pudding. They just looked at me. Never again. Not this lad. I'll be glad to get home. Tour of France. I was looking forward to that holiday as well. See the continent? Ah, uh, hey, hey, pull in a bit. There's a, there's a car coming up behind us. Hold on! Get those old plates up. Here, it's him. That bloke who went over on the boat with us. Look at him, look at him. Big head. <laughs> Penance of 98 different countries stuck in his back window. <laughs> Take ours down from Calais. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> ah, well, we're, we're nearly home, Tub. Just around the corner. Good job, too. It'll be a pleasure to get indoors and forget about it. <laughs> Bring the headlight with you. <laughs> ah, home at last, I... I feel a little happier now. The comforts of your own little nest. Oh, you can't whack it. After all those pensions and things. Well, what's wrong now? The key doesn't fit. Here, let me try it. No, no, no. You must have the wrong key. No, no, I haven't. I've only got three keys. My front door keys and the two I use for swinging down at the dance hall. Are you sure it's the right house? Of course it's the right house. Then how come the key doesn't fit? I wonder if I bent it getting that snail out. <laughs> I probably caught it on one of his horns, I didn't. <laughs> hey, hey, Tub. What? Did you leave the light on when we went away? Of course not. The electricity was turned off before we left. About two years before. Well, something's gone wrong because the bedroom light's on. It can't be. It must be the moon shining on me rock and roll suit. <laughs> I always hang it on the picture rail. Of course, the sequins get bent up in the wardrobe. <laughs> but I don't have to tell you. Oh, no, rather not. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're right. You don't tell a lie. The light is on. This bode's a wee bit empty. <laughs> There's somebody in there. Burglars, burglars, burglars. They must be after me Liberace raincoat. <laughs> Send for the police. No, no, wait a minute. Let's climb in and surprise them, eh? All right, then bring the sergeant angle with you, all right? 
fine holiday this has been, isn't it? What a lovely finish to it. Come on, give us a leg up. Right. Come on, Jeff. Watch it. Watch it. All right. That's it. Quietly now. Don't make a sound. Just creep up on them. Give me walnut high five. <laughs> I'll switch the light on. Hello? What? Somebody's been sitting in my chair. <laughs> and somebody's been sitting in my chair. Somebody's been smoking my fags. And somebody's been smoking my fags. Quick, nip out to the kitchen, see if the porridge is all right. <laughs> Now, now, let's look upstairs. Quiet, quiet now. Open the door. Look, there's somebody sleeping in my bed. Come on, you, get out. Come on, wake up. Get up before I call the police. Come on. Come on. Mm. Come on now. Good evening. <laughs> That's it. I'm going back to Calais. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't you going to wait for a cup of tea? Where did you... Where did you come from? I thought you had an accident. No, oh, no, no. No. Well, you should have. <laughs> Cost me enough. What are you doing in my house? No, I beg your pardon. My house. My house. Number seven, railway cuttings, Cheam. <laughs> That's right. I moved in three days ago. And you'll move out tonight. <laughs> oh, no, I don't. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> I shall throw you out of the window and your baggage after you, and I'll march you round to the police station and charge you with breaking and entering with felonious intent. Oh, no, stop messing about. <laughs> I'm not messing about. No, yes, you are. I can tell. What about a cup of tea? I don't want a cup of tea. Well, I could do with one. I think we've just got some cups and saucers left. I beg your pardon. No, I didn't tell you about that, did I? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think you do. <laughs> <laughs> don't see that then. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. What happened? It was an accident. What happened? It wasn't the cat's fault. I'm sure it was. I know you're damn animal. He didn't know he was doing wrong. Of course he didn't know. No. No, no, right. Just, no. Just, what happened? Well, he wasn't his fault he got locked up in your china cabinet. Oh, no. Not me smuggled Japanese tea set from Hong Kong. <laughs> no, well, Tittles couldn't help it, you see. He got locked in and he's frightened of the dark. Is he still in there? I've got the starting handle here. No, no, no. <laughs> don't you touch my tiddles. You should have hit him when he did it. Oh, well, I didn't like to. He just had his dinner. He don't like being hit on a full stomach. <laughs> Besides, he wouldn't have known what it was for. He'd have thought it was for clawing your velvet curtains to bits. Oh, At least well. I, I think it was him. Because he might have been Binky, though, or Blackie, or perhaps Wait a minute. That's... Just stop for a minute. Just one second. How many cats have you got in my house? Sixteen. And there's another eight or nine due any day now. I'm not having 25 cats roaming about all over my house. They're not roaming about. I locked them up in the dining room. Of course, they wrecked it a bit, but then if you're going to keep cats, you've got to expect a bit of a mess, haven't you? Yes, I, I suppose you have, really. Well, of course you have. Yes. Oh, now, I'm afraid I must ask you to leave. Very nice of you to pop in and have a little chat. I did enjoy it, but it's getting late. 
So, if you wouldn't mind... No, 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 no. That's all right. I'm sorry you've been disturbed. We, we were just going anyway. Well, pop in any time you like. When I'm at work, the cats will be glad of the company. But, in order to live, decent of you. Uh, Thank you very much. Well, good night, then. Good, good night. night. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> what a nice man. Invited me round any time I like. There's not enough of that sort of feeling in this world, and I'm a complete stranger. I mean, it's... What do you mean, come round any time I like? It's my house. Open up. Come on. <laughs> Get out. Oh, it's you again, is it? Yes, it's me. And I... Shh, shh, not so loud. You'll wake the cats. It's my house. <laughs> now, I'll be all right. I have the law on you. It's my house. Go on, get out. You can't turn me out. I'm within my rights. I paid ten pounds a week furnished. But it's my furniture. I'm very good at too. <laughs> but you can't just move into people's houses willy-nilly. My name's not willy-nilly. <laughs> Carried out with the estate agent. It was him who rented the place to me. It's not his to rent. I don't know about that, but he's taking the money. Well, I'm going straight round there and get this sorted out. <laughs> What's his name? Sidney James. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> well, just let me take a last look at the place. I I won't bother you anymore. Well, cheerio, then. Oh, oh before you go... Yes? Put the cats out for me. <laughs> <laughs> That won't be very pleased being woken up in the middle of the night. You know, he likes to get a good eight hours sleep every night. He doesn't sleep. He just lies there thinking up new ways to twist me. But he's gone too far this time. This is the straw that broke the duck's back. I'm a reasonable man, I hope. There's a limit to how far I can be goaded. You can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make it wash itself. <laughs> I'm an easygoing man up to a point, as you well know, but when I reach it, the worm turns and digs his heels in. Well, we're here. Well, you go and tell him and I'll wait up the end of the road for you. Scared? It's not that. I'm frightened about what I might do to him. Because, see, when I'm in a mood like this, what happens? I go into a coma. I... My mind goes blank and I lash out. I'm not fussy when I'm in a coma. Sometimes come out of it, there's bodies all over the place. <laughs> so you're not coming in? No, I don't think I ought to. Not when I'm in a mood like this. Look, you can see the vein throbbing in me forehead. Look at that. Look at it. Look, look, look at it. Look at it. Go there. Nearly knocking me out off it is. <laughs> Never mind about that. What about Sid? No. No, I better not. If I don't get satisfaction, I'll only resort to fisticuffs. Ha! <laughs> and why not, Bray? A man's a crook with a capital K. <laughs> I'll show you. Open the door, open up in there. It's the Cardinal's man. No, no, they. Thank God. Come on, I know you're in there. Hello, boys. Welcome home. What home? How was France? What home? Lovely weather down there, I believe. Get that bloke out of my house. Now, wait a minute. Let's not be hasty. I can explain. Explain. Do you usually make a habit of renting out people's houses as soon as they go on holiday? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, I said. Well, you're not renting my house. I don't know how you get away with it. Oh, it's easy. As long as you have a out before the people come back off holiday. Make a fortune again. Furnished houses, two to four weeks lease, ten quid a week. 
I've got everybody sending me a card when they're coming home. Then I move my tenants out, shove them down Cap and Common Tube Station at night time, wait for somebody else to go away. Then they're all set for another fortnight. I got it down to a fine art, and now you have to come back and spoil it all. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't realise I was inconveniencing you. Well, you are. According to my schedule, you aren't due back till next week. You're supposed to be away for a fortnight. Oh, we only had enough money for three days. That's not my fault. And if you go away for a fortnight and come back without warning three days later, that's your lookout. You can't expect people to run around after you. Well, I'm terribly sorry. I, <laughs> I didn't realise I was putting anybody out. You're not putting anybody out. He's staying in there. <laughs> You've got another fortnight to go yet. He's paid in advance. Well, what are we going to do? I want my house back. Either that or I'm going round to the police station. Now, there's no room around there. The sergeant's on holiday and I've got three families in there. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I'll see if I can find some alternative accommodation. I'm not going down Clapham Common Tube Station either. I never have been able to get to sleep with people bawling mind the doors in here, though. <laughs> Why can't you find him alternative accommodation? Well, that's very difficult. He signed a contract. What are you going to do, then? Well, I can't move him out of your place till he's fortnight's up. Look, I'll tell you what. I'll give you an address you can stay at temporary, and as soon as I find anything, I'll get in touch with you. That's most kind. All right, son. Here we are. You stay at this address tonight. I think you'll find it quite comfortable. A lot of my friends stay there. Very helpful. There aren't many left like you, Sid. <laughs> Next. Two shilling beds, please. Sorry, mate, we're full up. You better try the other dust house around the corner. <laughs> Haven't you got anything? Can't we hang over the rope for a night? <laughs> oh, no, I've got 16 tramps on it already. Still, it's a strong rope. Your little blokes, you can get in the middle where it sags. Uh, tanner each, please. Thank you very much. Always one thing, I'd better warn you. Uh, make sure you wake up before the others. If they get off the rope first, you'll hit the ceiling. <laughs> You asleep, Tub? How can you sleep like this? All these blokes driving them home here. Shaped over a rope stretch from one end of the room to the other. Chafing my armpits, something horrible. Well, the others seem to be doing all right. Well, they're used to it. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Come here every night. Look at them. What a collection. Look at the effects of humanity. Tramps, drunks, deadbeats, layabouts. Yeah, that guy in the corner's the only one I don't know. <laughs> They're not the sort of people I like to be seen with, anyway. I feel completely out of place here. I told you there was no need to wear pyjamas in a place like this. <laughs> oh, never mind. We, we won't be here much longer. Uh, what's the time? How do I know? I've had me watch Pimps three times. <laughs> It must be getting on far past five. Why, oh, I can see the sun coming up through the cracks in the wall. <laughs> How do they wake you up here? The concierge comes in and cuts the rope. <laughs> Come on.
comes in and cut. What a fiasco. Oh, stop moaning and go to sleep. I can't go to sleep on a rope. It's hard enough hanging over it. I don't know those blokes walk on them. I'll never know. Boy, you fatty. Why don't you shut your great mouth and go to sleep? Are you addressing me, my man? Yes, me and my mates want to get some kip. Go on, Cedric. Thump him one. <laughs> don't you adopt that attitude with me, my man. My friend and I aren't used to sleeping on a rope. That'd be better if I tied it round your neck. <laughs> Don't talk about it, Cedric. Get it over with. Stand your distance. My good man, I pay for sickness. I know. Let my friend go. You can't give the artist a fair hearing. Please. Open the door, Cedric. Now, get out and stay out. Well, that's all right, clothes back. We can't walk around the streets in pyjamas. Here you are. Catch. He's out of clothes. Stop it. Marvelous. Homeless and clothesless. Well, don't let's argue. Let's let's put these things on. It's it's cold out here. What sort of clothes are these? Look at these trousers. One more hole, they'd be invisible. <laughs> Listen, duck round the back streets. You can't let anybody see me like this. Hey, hey, Tub. Catch the Rolls Royce. It's it's stopping. Oh, Khan, I don't want anybody to recognize me. I say there, you tramp fellows. <laughs> I'll slosh him for a start. I think, don't go away, tramp chappies. I want to talk to you. Oh, he does, does he? He's not going to use that patronizing tone with me. I've got money, same as what he has. Clobber does not make it to the man. He'd better watch his step. Down on your luck, tramp laddies. No, we're not. If you must know, my friend and I are about to indulge in a fancy dress ball. Uh, <laughs> I beg your pardon. I thought we were down and out in need of money and food and somewhere to live. No, we're all right. Dad, we're just going... <laughs> <laughs> Shh. I've got a mug and a mug, a dead and... <laughs> Oh, woe is me. Is our... No home to go to. Flotsam, moustache in you, you are. <laughs> Flotsam on the tide of life. It's like you caught us. We were just on the way to the river. I, I got the stones in your pocket. <laughs> it was the war. <laughs> in and out of air raid shelters all the time. Trying to dodge the MPs. <laughs> <laughs> ruined us, it did ruin us. Mere shells of men. Shells, shells, shells. <laughs> Anything you can do to lighten our burden will be gratefully accepted like a shot. <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. I have so much wealth and good fortune. I consider it my duty to help the less fortunate in our hour of need. Oh. It's a shame <laughs> to take the money. <laughs> Lead on, my good man. Uh, Draw a good show. Hop in the old wagon, tramp fellows. Ah, this is the life. Nice little jam jar you've got here. 
Yes, it's Mother's, actually. I didn't bring mine. It was facing the wrong way. Hot <laughs> Tarzan. We sold ours, actually, during the crash, you know. Yeah, after the crash. You remember the milk cart <laughs> when you dropped <laughs> it? <laughs> My partner's a bit gone, poor wretch. Wretch, poor wretch. He... I caught him at the windowsill before he jumped in 29. Never been the same. Look at the shape of his head. <laughs> yes, I understand. But things will be better for you now. Leave it to me. The cigar. Oh, thank you. You're a toff. <laughs> I'd better take half a dozen. I think it suits me partner's nerves. Yes, Soon be home now. Have a good meal. A top home. And a change of clothes. Oh, yes. And a bath. Yes. <laughs> got the big house on the corner. That's strange. I say you, rich chappy. <laughs> How long have you lived here? I moved in last week, just a town flat, you know. That accounts for why we've never seen him. He came while we were on holiday. Ah, there we are. After you. Mm, your humble servant. <laughs> uh, in the lounge on the left, I make myself at home. Have a drink. What do you say to a bottle of Napoleon brandy? Well, if it was uh, good enough for him, it's good enough for us. <laughs> Oh, yes, right. Oh, now. <clears throat> now, look, uh, tell me about yourself. Uh, have you any relations? No, not a soul. We're all alone in the world. I see. Any friends? Not one. Everybody disowned us. So no one knows you at all? No, we, we could be dead for all the world cares about us. Oh, excellent. So nobody will miss you? No, it's tragic, really, isn't it? Oh, yes, terrible. Drink up, finish the bottle. We have. No, but another one. Oh. <laughs> well, excuse me, I have a phone call to make. I won't be long. <laughs> what a charming chappy. Hello, Chalky. I've got them, two of them, dead ringers. The fat one's about your build. The other one's about my size. Nobody knows them, no relations, nothing. Their own teeth, no identification marks. Here's the drill. I'll give them a suit of our own clothes, each. Plant our wallets on them. Get them drunk, lay them on the floor, set fire to the place. You pick the loot up, and when all the fuss dies down, we're dead, ha-ha. The police will tear the dossiers up. Off to South America, no one will know. I only wish I could be here to see our funeral. Cheerio, Chalky. See you at the airport. I've always admired you. Hello. I think you're nice, too. You're the only real friend I have. You've got to stick together. You're absolutely right. Uh, that's it, chap. That's it. Drink up. Look, I got some lovely new clothes for you. Uh, that's it. Drink up. What a charming. Drink up. Drink up. Drink Two tanners over the rope, please. <laughs> oh, God, you've got you two back again. Yes, we've been burnt out. It's all your fault, Kerr. If you hadn't drunk all that brandy, we might have been able to put the fire out. What do you mean, my fault? It was me who first noticed the fire. I'm not surprised. Your breath was alight. <laughs> and 
Never mind. We got out, didn't we? Only just. What an inferno. Oh. I only hope my hair grows again. <laughs> you brought me nothing but trouble ever since we went on holiday. Oh, stop picking on me. Picking on you? I'll jump on you in a minute. Why don't you two shut up and go to sleep? Hello. Sid. Sid James. Sleeping over the rope. It's a bit of a come down, isn't it? Don't tell me you let your house out by mistake. You ought to know what happened to my house, you firebug, you. A spark from that fire you started landing on my bed, fused me electric blanket, and the house went up like a matchbox. <laughs> Sounds you right. I will teach you to rent people's houses out. <laughs> Put me in a good mood, that is. Yes. Jolly good. Poetic justice. Don't think you'll stop at my place when that bloke moves out, because you're not. Neither are you. It's gone. <laughs> gone? Spread like wildfire. The whole street burnt down. The fire brigade only just got me out. I had to jump from the top window. If only I'd known I'd have cut a hole in the sheet. <laughs> no house. No money. No clothes. No nothing. It's just not my day. Never mind. These little things are sent to try us. <laughs> I managed, though, I managed to salvage lots of things from your house. Oh, good lad, what? Well, I've got Tiddles and Tibby and Blackie oh, and Dinky. Oh, and I've got Winkle. Yes, how... You know Winkle. Oh, yes. yes. Well, and I've got Tibby as well. Oh, I'm so I've pleased, yes. Yeah. Cut the rope, somebody. <laughs> That was Hancock's Half-Hour, starring Tony Hancock with Sidney James, Bill Kerr and Kenneth Williams. Theme and incidental music composed and conducted by Wally Stott, show written by Alan Simpson and Ray Galton. The program, which was recorded, was produced by Dennis May Wilson. You are listening to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. And that was an episode of Hancock entitled Back from Holiday. Now here is Yes Minister and the Ministerial Broadcast. Humphrey is waiting to see you, Prime Minister. Thank you, Bernard. Show him. Yes, Prime Minister. <laughs> Prime Minister. Ah, Humphrey, good morning. How's the jet lag? Oh, not jet lag, sorry. <clears throat> no, I find that jet lag affects me more going the other way. Mm. I felt frightfully tired at my big meeting at the White House. Yes, to remember a thing he said. He didn't really say much, Prime Minister. Oh. No, he was frightfully tired, too. <laughs> Worrying, isn't it? Statesmen such as myself, jetting all over the world, mm. attending major conferences which could affect the future of mankind, and we're zonked. 
Well, it would be, Prime Minister. Perhaps that's why such negotiations are nearly always completed in advance by humble servants such as I. <laughs> they can hardly be left in the hands of the zonked. <laughs> now, what did you want to see me about? <laughs> Prime Minister. Prime Minister. Ah, oh, uh, oh, Humphrey. Good morning. <laughs> you want to see me? Ah. Don't you know what it was about? No, he fell asleep before he told me. <laughs> well, I'll be back if I'm needed. Bernard, I'd like a word when you're free. Oh, Bernard. <clears throat> uh, remind me to see Humphrey. About <laughs> uh, something. Well, I suppose now I'm back. I've got a busy week ahead. Huge backlog of work. Not really, Prime Minister. No backlog? Nothing at all, Prime Minister. You see, you have much less to do now that you're Prime Minister. You no longer have a department of your own. But you can't be serious. Oh, yes. Everything you've always read in the paper about how hard the Prime Minister has to work is a bit of a myth, really. <laughs> it's uh, put out by the press office as a matter of course. But if you think about it, what do you have to do? Chair the Cabinet? Two and a half hours a week. Chair a couple of cabinet committees? Four hours. Answer questions in the House twice a week? Another half an hour. <laughs> uh, audience with the Queen on Tuesday evenings? Another hour, is he? Seven and a half hours a week so far. Ridiculous, <laughs> <laughs> Bernard. There must be more to it than that. Well, of course, you'll have to read all the briefs and we'll rush you from place to place shaking hands with people. But other than that, well, there's lots of things people want you to do and lots of things you should do and any number of things you can do, but very few things you have to do. After all, it's up to you. You're the boss. Thank you, Bernard. I'll bear that in mind. Meantime, let's have the press secretary in. We've got to discuss my first TV broadcast as Prime Minister. Send Malcolm Warren up here straight away, please. I'm certainly busy enough on my American trip. I think that was a great success. Was it? Of course it was, Bernard. Haven't you read Malcolm's report? I was on all the news bulletins, three nights running, special feature on Panorama... 1,269 column inches in the Nationals, 31 photos, 16 radio reports. No, I mean, was it a success in terms of what it achieved? Well, just told you. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, what about agreements with the Americans and so on? You know, your private conversation with the President. You didn't tell me the result. Oh, uh, oh well, yes, to, uh, to begin with, I read him my brief and he read me his brief and... Then we decided it'd be quicker if we just swapped briefs and read them to ourselves. <laughs> so we spent most of the time rubbishing the French. <laughs> yes. Oh, thanks. Uh, Malcolm Warren is on his way up, frankly. How's the Prime Minister and First Lord of the Treasury? Sleeping peacefully, sir. <laughs> Bernard, we have a problem. Who has? You and I, Bernard, and the whole of Whitehall. The problem is the Prime Minister's disastrous new defence ideas. Cancelling Trident, reintroducing conscription, and all that rubbish. Ah. <laughs> the grand design. Yes, I believe that's what he calls it. But uh, if it saves money and reduces unemployment... Bernard, what is the purpose of our defence policy? To defend Britain. No, Bernard. Is to make people believe Britain is defended. <laughs> the Russians. Not the Russians, the British. <laughs> the Russians know it's not. <laughs> it's 
For all our simple, ignorant people shuffling in and out of houses, buses, factories, and the cabinet room. <laughs> the aim of the defence policy is to make them feel secure. But if there's a better way... Bernard, we have a magic wand. It is called Trident. Nobody understands anything about it except that it will cost £15 billion, which means it must be wonderful. <laughs> all we have to do is write a cheque and then we can all relax. But if people in government start talking about it, do you know what will happen? In the end, they'll start thinking about it. <laughs> they will come to realise the problems, the flaws in the reasoning. The nation will get worried. Agitation. Questions. Criticism. Change. Change? Change. <laughs> yes, Harvey, there is one thing, though. Mm? Uh, this TV broadcast he's doing, suppose he uses it to announce his new policy. He can't. First, he'd have to go through Cabinet in the House. Well, he can do that in terms of opening the national debate. Bernard, you do not open a national debate until the government has privately made up its mind. But if the Prime Minister's made up his mind... Then he must unmake it. But he's the Prime Minister. Yes, indeed he is, Bernard. <laughs> he has his own car, nice house in London, place in the country, endless publicity... And a pension for life. What more does he want? I think he wants to govern Britain. Well, stop him, Bernard. <laughs> Question is, should it be an interview or a camera? Yes. <laughs> no, Prime Minister, I think it has to be one or the other. Oh, well, what about an interview? Bernard, we're just discussing a TV interview. Oh, right. Robin Day, Brian Walden, uh, Terry Wogan, Jimmy Young. <laughs> Which do you think? Well, it depends how you want to appear. The thinker, man of power, people's friend, or just a good fellow. All of them, really. <laughs> I don't think they'll all interview you at the same time. <laughs> no, not all of them, all of me. I want to be seen to have all those qualities. Ah, well, in that case, I think you should do it to camera. Yes, at least it'll be me in charge and not all those failed MPs and jumped-up disc jockeys. Why, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a party political? Yeah, now, a party political spells instant boredom. I think it should be a ministerial broadcast, you know... The Prime Minister addressing his people. But I'll do it into the camera like a party political. I thought you said they were boring. I didn't say I'd be boring, Bernard. Do <laughs> you think I'd be boring? <laughs> boring? <laughs> you? Have you done much talking to camera? You know, it's mostly been interviews and things. Ah, well, in that case, I'd better set up a practice session. Fine. Uh, just one thing. What is the broadcast to be about? About... Uh, yes, about. What will it be about? About me. <laughs> yes, but what are you going to say? Say? <laughs> yes, uh, about policies. Oh, policies? Yes, well, I thought it would be the usual thing, you know. Go forward together, better tomorrow. Tighten your belt, all pull together. Heal the wounds, that sort of thing. <laughs> yes, but what will you be saying specifically? Oh, specifically? Uh, well, I thought I'd... Suggest that we all specifically tighten our belts. <laughs> specifically heal the specific wounds in society. See what I mean? Yes, well, of course, it's entirely up to you, Prime Minister. I just thought if you had anything uh, new to say. Oh. <laughs> new. Oh, new! Yes, of course. Get Humphrey back here, will you? My grand design. That's what I wanted to talk to Humphrey about. Ah, Sir Humphrey, the Prime Minister is making arrangements for his TV broadcast. He wants to talk about his grand design and wonders if you... <laughs> I think he's on his way. Grand design, Prime Minister. Yes, I can't tell you now, but it's a very big story. Right, Prime Minister. I'll find a producer and set up a practice session in the meantime. <laughs> 
Patrick. I gather you want to discuss a television appearance. Yes, but it's not so desperately urgent. <laughs> Absolutely not. Not remotely important. <laughs> not remotely important. My first television broadcast as Prime Minister. Uh, well, uh, terribly important, of course, but not a, a crisis, row, not right. a panic. <laughs> I do want to use it to announce my new defence policy. What do you think? No. <laughs> I, 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 I think it's a mistake. The policy? Well, of course, it's tremendously refreshing to have a new mind on the problem... Challenging the old ideas, questioning the whole basis of government thinking over the past 30 years. You don't approve of the policy? No, it's not that, Prime Minister. There will be implications, reverberations, repercussions. It needs time to sift and weigh the evidence, review, research, consult. Oh, all right. You get on with that, Humphrey. In the meantime, I'll announce it in the broth. You can't. <laughs> not yet. Well, we have to tell the Americans. They will have grave objections. It will take many months of patient diplomacy. Delicate issues need sensitive handling. Humphrey, who is it who has the last word about the government of Britain? The British cabinet or the American president? Do you know that's a fascinating question? <laughs> we often discuss it. What conclusion have you arrived at? Well, I must admit to being a bit of a heretic. I think it's the British cabinet, but um, I know I'm in the minority. <laughs> well, I have news for you, Humphrey. From now on, you're in the majority. I shall raise my grand design formally with the Overseas Policy and Defence Committee, and then I shall put it to cabinet. I've sounded most of them out privately. They all think it's a vote winner. I mean, uh, a major contribution <laughs> to the defence of this country. Then I shall put it to the House in the afternoon and announce it in the evening in my book. I'm sorry, Prime Minister, you can't announce it yet. Well, if I can't, who can? <laughs> Let us be abundantly clear about this. We cannot go on paying ourselves more than we earn. The rest of the world does not owe us a living. We must be prepared to make sacrifices. And who wrote this rubbish? <laughs> You did, Prime Minister. It's one of your old speeches. Well, can't we have something new? What about a draft of the actual broadcast? It's still only a draft, isn't it? Well, this is only a practice. Well, it's still highly confidential. Everyone here has been cleared. Go on, Bernard. Yes, Prime Minister. How was that, Godfrey? Um, excellent, Prime Minister. Just one thing. Have you been wearing those glasses? Oh, well, what do you think? Well, it's up to you, obviously. Um, with them on, you look authoritative and commanding. Um, with them off, you look honest and open. Which do you want? Well, really, I want to look authoritative and honest. Mm, it's one or the other, really. <laughs> what about starting with them off and then putting them on when I do? That just looks indecisive. Oh, I see. What about a monocle? <laughs> Let's just leave them off for the moment, shall we? Um, can we go again? Yeah. Have you got that new script there, Bernard? Oh, yes, Prime Minister. <clears throat> The Trident programme is too expensive. By cancelling it, we shall release billions of pounds to fund an imaginative and radical attack on the nation's problems. What this country needs is a two... Uh, can we hold it? What was wrong? Um, no, it's very good, Prime Minister. Uh, Prime just, Minister, yeah, just, just, right. just a minute, Bernard, yes? Um, do you mind not leaning forward like that? It makes you look as though you're selling insurance. <laughs> <laughs> And also, it makes you look up at the lens like a sort of suppliant. You should ah. really be looking down from on high. Yes, I see. Uh, what this country needs... <laughs> what this country needs... <laughs> what this country needs... <laughs> Martha and I have drafted a slightly different version uh, to this. Right, let's see. We shall, of course, be reviewing a wide range of options over the whole field of government expenditure. Bernard, this doesn't say anything. Oh, thank you, Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're too kind, Prime Minister. No, no, but... I don't like it. 
All right, you could say uh, urgently reviewing. No. Well, I do think it should be toned down a bit. Uh How? Any thoughts, Malcolm? Well, uh, what about uh, the Trident programme is a heavy burden on your tax bill. Fifteen billion pounds is a lot of money, and we should be looking at it very carefully to see if it merits the amount it costs. Yes. Yes, all right. It's okay to mention figures, isn't it, Godfrey? Yes. I mean, practically no one takes them in, and those who do don't believe them. But um, (laughs) it makes people think you've got the facts at your fingertips. And uh, don't forget, people don't know you're reading them off the teleprompter. Ah. Apart from that, it was fine, wasn't it? Uh, yes, you were going a bit slowly. Well, the teleprompter thing was going a bit slowly. <laughs> no, 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 no. It follows your speed. Um, try going slow and then fast, OK? Oh, thank you. The Trident programme is <laughs> a heavy burden on your tax bill. £15 billion pounds is a lot of money. And I guess I should agree. Mr. Would you mind not saying your tax bill? Oh, why not? Well, it makes you sound as though you're not one of the people. You know, it's like the ruler talking to the rule, okay. them and us. You see, well, what should I say? Our tax bill. I mean, you pay taxes too. Yes. Change that, would you, Bernard? Uh, yes, Prime Minister. I still think it's very direct. Oh, good. Thank you, Bernard. Uh, no, I mean, lots of people's jobs in this country depend on Trident until there's been a consultation. Yes, that's a thought. Malcolm? Well, we could say uh, defence expenditure is one of those areas which this government will be looking at closely to see if we can achieve the same level of defence at a lower cost. That's mm-hmm. too long. Can you make it two sentences? Oh, why? Um, well, Prime Minister, it's just that we find that if a sentence goes on over three lines, then by the time it gets to the end, most people have forgotten how it began. Including <laughs> the person speaking. Two sentences, Malcolm. And um, you are beginning to... Um, lean forward again a bit. Uh, That's what I do when I want to look sincere. Yes, but the trouble is, it makes you look like someone who wants to look sincere. (laughs) If you lean back, you look relaxed and in control. That's it. (laughs) You don't lean back quite as far as that. That looks as though you've had a liquid lunch. (laughs) You can always underline bits of the script where you want to look sincere, and then you just um, frown and say them a bit more slowly. Anything else? Um, well, your face is a bit wooden. (laughs) Only when you're speaking. Um, you see, in normal speech, you move your head and eyebrows and cheek muscles and so on. So don't let the teleprompter turn you into a zombie. Okay? Thank you. Defence expenditure. (laughs) One of the areas which this government will be examining closely. It may be. We can achieve the same. Prime Minister, that's just a little bit too. (laughs) You have heard a lot of nonsense from the opposition. They say we waste money. They say we're selling out to the United States. I say, look at the mess they made when they were in power. Look at the damage they did to the economy. Could we hold it that way? Prime Minister, if I might suggest, don't attack the opposition. Oh. Those are the bits the party likes. Yeah, the party will vote for you anyway. You see, you'll make the person vote see you as an angry and divisive figure. Oh, I see. Well, what should I say about them? Well, don't mention them at all. You see, everything you say has to make you sound warm and friendly. Authoritative, of course, but affectionate. The uh, father of the nation. Could we just um, run forward to that, um, that new bit? Um... <coughs> Try lowering the pitch of your voice. <laughs> we want... We, we want to build a bright future for our children. We want to build a peaceful and prosperous Britain. 
A Britain that can hold her head high in the fellowship of nations. This is rather good. Who wrote this? Actually, it's from the uh, last party political by the leader of the opposition. Um, Let's talk about your appearance for a moment. What will you be wearing? Oh, what do you suggest? Well, dark suit represents traditional values. Fine, dark suit. On the other hand, a light suit looks business-like. Well, what about the uh, lightest jacket with the darkest waistcoat? I think that would look as though you've got an identity problem. Excuse me, Prime Minister. Godfrey, could we have a word about makeup? Yes, my love. Are you happy about the grey hair? Or shall we darken no, it? No, no, that's fine. And the receding hairline? Receding what? <laughs> High forehead. High forehead. <laughs> and uh, can we try to make the... Uh, do something about the eyes, make them look less close set? Sure. <laughs> Bags underneath, mm -hmm. dark cheeks. Uh -huh. Nose is still a problem. Problem? <laughs> no, just a lighting problem, Prime Minister. A very large um, shadow. <laughs> Prime Minister? Yes. <clears throat> Prime Minister, how would you feel about a little dental work? Look, can we get on with that? <laughs> um, okay, well, going again. Right. Super. And cue the Prime Minister. We shall, of course be reviewing a wide range of options over the whole field of government expenditure. Bernard, this is exactly what we started with. Yes, I, I do think it's the most suitable, the most appropriate, Prime Minister. What do you think, Godfrey? Well, it's up to you, obviously, Prime Minister. All I can say is, if that's what you're going to say, I suggest a um, very modern suit, uh, high-tech furniture, high-energy yellow wallpaper, abstract paintings, in fact, everything to disguise the absence of anything new in the actual speech. I think I can go back to my original dynamic speech, you know, about the grand design. Fine, then it's the reassuring traditional background, the dark suit, oak panelling, leather volumes, 18th century portraits. Oh, one other thing, opening music. Now, once again, Bach, new ideas, Stravinsky, no change. Well, I think I ought to have a British composer, you know, something that would reflect my image. Uh, Elgar, perhaps? Elgar. Yes, yes, but not, uh, not land of hope and glory. <laughs> uh, what about the Enigma variations? <laughs> He's going to say something new and radical in the broadcast. What, that silly grand design? Bernard, that was precisely what you had to avoid. How did this come about? I shall need a very good explanation. Well, he's very keen on it. What's that got to do with it? <laughs> Things don't happen just because prime ministers are very keen on them. Neville Chamberlain was very keen on peace. <laughs> he, he, thinks, he thinks it's a vote winner. Ah, that's more serious to done. What makes him think that? Well, the party who had an opinion poll done, it seems all the voters are in favour of bringing back national service. Well, I have another opinion poll done showing the voters are against bringing back national service. <laughs> we can't be for it, and oh, against Of course they can, Bernard. Have you ever been surveyed? Yes. Well, not me, actually. In my house. Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> well, Bernard, you know what happens. Nice young lady comes up to you. Obviously, you want to create a good impression. You don't want to look a fool, do you? <laughs> no. No. So she starts asking you some questions. Mr. Woolley. Are you worried about the number of young people without jobs? Yes. Are you worried about the rise in crime among teenagers? Yes. Do you think there's a lack of discipline in our comprehensive schools? Yes. Do you think young people welcome some authority and leadership in their lives? Yes. Do you think they respond to a challenge? 
Yes. Would you be in favour of reintroducing national service? <laughs> oh, well, I suppose I might. Yes or no? Yes. Of course you would, Bernard. After all you've told you, you can't say no to that. <laughs> so, they don't mention the first five questions and they publish the last one. Is that really what they do? Well, not the reputable ones, no, but there aren't many of those. <laughs> so, alternatively, the young lady can get the opposite result. How? Mr. Woolley, are you worried about the danger of war? Yes. Are you worried about the growth of armaments? Yes. Do you think there's a danger in giving young people guns and teaching them how to kill? Yes. Do you think it's wrong to force people to take up arms against their will? Yes. Would you oppose the reintroduction of national service? Yes. <laughs> there you are, you see, Bernard. The perfect balanced sample. So, we just commissioned our own survey for the Ministry of Defence. See to it, Bernard. Uh, yes, but uh, what about the broadcast? When's he expecting to do it? I don't know, sometime next month, I suppose. Well, perhaps you'll tell him it'll be in 11 days' time. 11 days? That's a bit soon. Suppose he refuses. Well, then you can tell him that we've just learned from the Joint Broadcasting Committee that the opposition will be holding a party political in 18 days' time and he's entitled to get his ministerial in first. Of course, if he wishes the first political broadcast of his premiership to be given by the opposition, that's fine. Um, is that true? It will be. <laughs> if you don't mention it till tomorrow. But he could still announce his new policy. I don't think so, Bernard. He'll have only one meeting with his cabinet colleagues and the Overseas Policy and Defence Committee to clear it. I understand all his cabinet colleagues are in favour of it. Yes, but only personally, Bernard. Only politically. But are they in favour officially, as responsible departmental ministers? Oh, I see. I suppose that will depend on the advice they get, will it? <laughs> I understand, of course, David. There's no question of our opposing this scheme to cancel Trident. Oh, of course. No, it's a question of holding back a little until we've thought through all the implications. Mm. So tell me, what are you going to brief your man at employment to say in OPD tomorrow? Well, what are the others saying? I suppose Dick will brief the Foreign Secretary to say the Americans will hit the roof. Well, no. He thinks it might be more persuasive to argue that cancelling Trident will look like weakness, appeasing the Soviets. Yeah. <laughs> That's good thinking. Just as Norman won't be telling his man at defence to say that the Service chiefs won't have their elite forces diluted with riffraff. Yes. But they won't. Oh, I know that, but he thought they needed another argument. Two? <laughs> two arguments? Isn't that putting rather a strain on the Defence Secretary's somewhat... Um... Obsolete intellectual equipment? <laughs> <laughs> so he's just going to brief him that Trident is best and Britain must have the best. Oh, good. <laughs> Even the Defence Secretary should be able to handle that. Yes. <laughs> With a bit of coaching, yes. <laughs> and Giles, I know the National Union of Teachers are scared stiff that conscription will expose the fact that school leavers, oh, while of course being tremendously integrated socially and creatively aware... Can't actually read, write or do sums, yes. <laughs> but Giles has got the Education Secretary worried that the colleges for further education would be taken over by the services and actually used for teaching people. <laughs> we can't have that. Oh. <laughs> so what about your man at employment? Well, it's the same problem. You see, the truth is the unions won't stand for kids coming in and undercutting them on community work. Yes. I don't think we need to bring the truth in at this stage. <laughs> Hold on. 
Now, suppose he argues that unemployed young people are, at the moment, uh, unfit, unorganised, undisciplined and untrained, but that conscription will eventually release onto the streets an army of fit young people all trained to kill. Good man. <laughs> so, does he actually believe that? He will, by tomorrow morning. <laughs> I've been listening to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. And that was an episode of Yes, Prime Minister, entitled Ministerial Broadcast. That's all for this week, folks. Until I speak to you again next week, this is Graham Stevens saying, keep smiling. This programme is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.